0: Yo, what up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt, live from the Sweet Bee Studios, December 17, 2019. I'm your host, Quentin, pop Dark King of the South, aka, yeah, this is your boy. Listen, what's up, everybody? How's everybody doing, man? Everybody excited for Christmas? Everyone's Christmas shopping is done, I hope. I'll tell you, I, uh, yeah, you better hope so. I mean, honestly, if you're a guy, though, this is like the clutch moment, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is fourth quarter Michael Jordan. This is bottom of the ninth inning Madison Bumgarner winning his third World Series. If you're a dude... This is, I mean, this is it. This is where you gotta be clutch. You gotta go out, you gotta get those gifts. You gotta go to Amazon and the internet and see if you can get stuff ordered and shipped to the house in two days. You gotta find out what size of ring your girl wears and what her shoe size is and all this other stuff. And it's hard, man. It's one of the hardest things that I've done is just buy a girl a gift. I don't know if there are anything much harder than that. Like, I think picking a restaurant with your significant other is, like, a really hard thing to do. But also, like, I'm a horrible gift giver, and I don't know why. Like, I'd like to think I listen good. I think I listen. I honestly, God, I don't listen good. But, you know, I've got some good stuff on my Christmas list that I'm super excited about. Number one, oh, man. I'm excited for this. I asked for a Sega Genesis. But I got like a modded Sega Genesis with all the games built in. Every single Sega game is built into this thing. I've seen it. It's at the house now wrapped up. And my wife's like, you can't play it until Christmas Day. But I've negotiated to where I can play it on Christmas Eve. And I'm talking like this thing has like RBI Baseball 93, 94. It's got NBA Jam, NBA Live 95, Madden 95. I mean, dude, I'm, like, road rash, bro, like, you remember road rash? We just, like, beat people off the bikes, dude, I can't wait, man, I can't wait to get on fire with NBA Jam, I can't wait to knock some homers with Dave Parker and the Oakland A's, like... This is gonna be it, dude. And 1994 RBI baseball is, like, legit. Like, you gotta be the Texas Rangers with Juan Gonzalez and Jose Canseco and Pudge Rider and just hit steroid bombs all day, son. I'm so excited for it, man. So I got that on deck. And also, I'm getting a remote control car, which I'm super excited about because what you gotta do, man, I got hardwood floors, like, all over my downstairs, right? Sweet Bee Studios, yeah, yeah. And... What you do, man, is you go get your remote control car, but then pour water all over the floor and then get the remote control car and it'll just do donuts all day. So I'm probably going to do that all Christmas morning is just play Sega and do donuts on a remote control car, man. Super stoked about that. That's going to be a blast. Um, But I'm recording this shindig, man. It's Tuesday evening, dude. I'm feeling pretty good. It's raining like crazy here. In some places, it's snowing. I think in St. Louis, it's snowing. That's a big deal. Out in Arizona... It's not doing much. Madison Bumgarner just signed in Arizona. That's a pretty big deal in baseball news. Um, but otherwise, everything's going good, man. I'm sitting here, I'm recording in my pajama pants. Got my Christmas pajama pants on with a good stretch waistband. That's honestly, that's the first thing I do when I get off of work. As soon as I walk in the door after work, 6 p.m., I take off all of my clothes. I have to, dude. Right, I just, I got to get out of my clothes the second I get in the house. So I get completely naked, and then I put on anything with a stretch waistband. And right now, like, I'll put on workout shorts, but that doesn't mean I'm going to the gym. But right now, I got on, like, some red plaid pajama pants with a good stretch waistband on them. And honestly, it makes me feel less like an out-of-shape slob because the waistband just moves with you. And I think honestly, like everything should have a stretch waistband with it. You know, you you remember those commercials for pajama jeans? It was an infomercial for pajama jeans. And it was jeans, but they were like pajama pants. And I am I honestly I'm gonna search the internet right after I get off the phone. Right after I get off this podcast, dude, and get me some pajama jeans. Man, I might order some Jinkos because I love to put a lot of stuff in my pocket, like a butterfly knife um ranch dressing like you know whatever i want tech deck ink pens uh paper you know you always have to have stuff in your pocket no matter what um but i like a good stretch waistband but let's let's get into the madison bumgarner deal dude he uh whoa okay five years and 85 million like (laughs) dude i'm so mad like the this five year and 85 million dollar signing from the Arizona Diamondbacks is a huge win for them. One because it's the Diamondbacks who somehow still won 85 games last year and were only 4 games out of going to the postseason wild card and got rid of uh Paul Goldschmidt, Patrick Corbin, Zach Greinke. I oh, yeah, actually just unloaded the unloaded the house, bro, like the wet band. It's over here. And, like, now they've a Madison Bumgarner, man. But the thing about that is he's only going to make $17 million a year. This is a guy that just pitched 207 innings and struck out 202 guys on a 390 ERA. To put this in context, Jeff Smart just sucks. And he got a five-year, $90 million contract, like, three years ago. But, I mean, the word is Madison Bumgarner wanted to be in Arizona because the man's got horses and the man's got land in Arizona. You know, so if you ain't got... If you ain't got beer for my horses, I'm not going to come play baseball for you. And you know, it was in Arizona that Madison Bumgarner rescued two rescued a baby jackrabbit from a rattler. From a rattler. Him and his him and his old lady were out in the country, lassoing cattle, and he sees a rattler and he gets his axe out because Madison Bumgarner carries an axe with him. And he chops the rattler up, man. He's like, chops it up into like 20 pieces, right? And then his wife, Allie, is like, wait, I think I see something. Allie, who's an expert field dresser, goes after the chopped bits and she discovers two baby jackrabbits, but one of them, rest in peace, is already passed on. And all jackrabbits go to heaven. And yeah, but she gets a second jackrabbit out, and it's it's got a little bit of a pulse. They take it back to the hotel room and nurse it back, bottle-fed for like the next four days, and then let it back out in the wild. One, Madison Bumgarner and his wife are like the, some of the greatest people to ever live, and two, they're just badass, and I love the move for Bumgarner to be like, bro, I don't need $110 million. I just need my wife, I need my family, and I need my horses. And that's a man right there, bro. That's Doc Holiday stuff right there. And yeah, that's what it's all about. And I I love him for it, man. That's a good move. And really, the Madison Bumgarner signing in itself shows the character of the guy, man. That's why, like, I'm pissed off at my team, the Chicago Cubs, because they didn't get Madison Bumgarner for five years and 85 million, right? Like, I mean, he was clearly worth like five and one ten, probably, maybe even five and one fifteen, I think. But a lot of folks are like, I right, am Madison Bumgarner's 30 years old with a bunch of innings under his belt. He's not worth that much. Bro, have you seen him pitch in the postseason? Like, you can give me the best pitcher all day in the regular season, a.k.a. Clayton Kershaw, and he gets to the postseason and pulls a Harry on Dumb and Dumber just sitting on the toilet pooping his brains out. I don't want that. I want a guy that can perform. And the thing about Bumgarner is, man, I love your data, dude. Data, today's game win data, it you get the best at it, guys, right? Like Garrett Cole is what he is right now because he went to Houston. And Houston, they know what to do with their data. And so they look at all these arm angles and close-up views of hands, and they're like, hey, hold the ball like this and release it over here. And all of a sudden, he's Adonis at pitching. You know what I'm saying? And so Madison Bumgarner does take advantage of data, but the one thing is about Bumgarner, man, he's got an intangible called guts and common sense. Madison Bumgarner has the ability to use data but also to read the game in the moment. And I would go as far to say is he's one of the best players to do that, which is what's made him so good in the postseason, right? When you go to the postseason, it's such a different game, and you're overthinking things, you're looking at data, the other team's looking at data. But I feel like what makes Bumgarner so good in the postseason is he's so good on the fly of changing what he needs to do in the moment and reading the moment To benefit himself and his team, man. That's why I love the signing so much, dude. Yeah, another funny story about Madison Bumgarner. He was in, like, single A somewhere out west, right? And he's just all by himself. First time he'd ever been out of North Carolina. He's alone, and he's just sort of like, I'm bored, man, and I'm sort of homesick. So he would go to the mall on his off days when he had time. But he wouldn't go to the mall to shop at Spencer's Gifts. No, he would go to the mall with a lasso because out front there was a big statue that he would practice his lasso roping on, bro. Yo, I honest to God, I, would want, I want Madison Bumgarner on my team, but he can't be on my team anymore. Cheers to Arizona, buddy. You gotcha. You gotcha freaking man, son. He's a man. Ooh, all right. Next on the list. Let's see what I got here. I'll tell you what I got right now. I got someone outside my window shooting off fireworks in December. Why right, December eighteenth? Who shoots off fireworks in December? I'll tell you who. People in North Carolina do. You can buy fireworks on every street corner all year round. That's how people do it in North Carolina. It's an interesting thing, man. You go to North Carolina and order a burger. You have to specifically tell them that you just want like a cheeseburger just with like cheese, lettuce, tomato, mayo, mustard. Because if you don't, they load it up with slaw because that's just a burger in the south. A burger, they load it up with slaw. I mean, remember the first place I went to, I'm like, can you get a burger? And they get it out with a bunch of slaw. So I asked for slaw. They were like, We talking about it's a burger, bro. Yeah. So people be lighting off fireworks outside, man. You can get fireworks all the time. You don't even have to have an ID. 10-year-old can go in and buy black hats and M-80s, man. Blow your hands off. Wild stuff. It's a wild, wild west down here in the North Carolinas, buddy. You know what I mean? You know when you walk into restaurants and it's like basically they got signs that are like, leave your gun in your car. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, dude, that's what's up. Crazy stuff. Um, Astros, dude. So the Astros admitted the stealing signs, right? Huge investigation, dude. Major League Baseball says that they've – um, interviewed, like, over 60 people, they've checked 74,000 emails, how do you, how the hell do you do that, dude, like, I never check my work email, like, how do you have time to check 74,000 emails, they did it, though, I assume with an algorithm, and, but Houston's, like, okay, we stole signs, Houston's, like, we had a camera in center field, and we ran the relay, we ran it directly to the, um, tv behind the clubhouse like we did it right and we were also getting free hbo and cinemax for the late games you know what i'm saying so they've admitted to all that stuff right that's cool but houston's like um but we just thought we were working within industry standards i'm not too sure that's the route you go if you've been stealing something you know what I mean? Like, if I'm stealing cable and the police come to my house and I'm like, I just sort of thought everyone was doing it. Guess what? Like, I'm going to get locked up because I've been watching Game of Thrones for free for the last eight years. Right? Like, that stuff's sort of not going to work. And I'm so, I, I, that's where we're at right on that. Um, Houston's like, but we didn't do anything. Like, we didn't install any other cameras. Right? Like, the center field camera was approved but just not approved to run a live feed to our dugout so we could see what pitches we're pitching, right? So eh, I don't know how that's going to turn out, man. It seems like, though, if it can be proven... Well, here's the one thing, right? Houston, so executives from Houston, it looks like they could face a lifetime ban from the game, but probably only if there's evidence of a cover-up, right? Like the... Um, Who's the I don't know the guy's name, some John Coppolola crap or something. And there was a dude like two years ago from the Atlanta Braves and he got a lifetime ban because they were cheating the international pool money and he tried to cover it up while MLB was investigating and tried to influence witnesses, and so they were like, You're you can never be in baseball again, right? So they got rid of him. So it seems like like that's what would happen with this is just that I doubt anyone's gonna get a lifetime ban unless folks were trying to cover it up. But like I'm pretty sure that they were trying to hide this from people. So I, I I wouldn't be surprised if someone got a lifetime ban, right? I don't know, like one person, maybe Jeff Lunau, I don't know. I, honest to God, I'd sort of be surprised if Jeff Lunau, and that's the GM for the Houston Astros, and then A.J. Hinch, like those guys are going to get suspended. I wouldn't be surprised if A.J. Hinch gets fired because someone in the organization is going to be, obviously A.J. Hinch knew about it, Right, I mean if you were in the dugout, if you were in the stands, you knew about it, right? But one of the weird things is is like how all these folks, how Houston got away with it for so long because obviously like trash cans were just getting beat. Like what's going on back there? Like I mean, are there people in the dugout that have like a trash can fire? You know like when you're watching like like television shows where like someone's walking through a dark alley and there are always homeless people that have a fire in a trash can? Like, is that what's going on in Houston? And also, how did they get the fire to burn so long in the trash can? Because I try to start a fire in my fire pit every now and then. It takes me like 45 minutes. Like, I can't even get it going. So, well, that's what's up with Houston, man. It seems like the industry doesn't respect them. This changes everything. I don't, I mean, I don't want to talk about that too much. I don't care, honestly. But, I mean, my question is, is what do you think of Mike Fires, man? I think Mike Fires, is he sort of like Jose Canseco? Because he blew the top off of this thing and told on people, you know, is Mike fires a knock? Is Mike fires a knock? I think a lot of people in Houston think he's a knock. Are you a knock? I'm sorry. Are you a knock? Am I speaking Japanese? Yeah, listen to him. I'm gonna sound it out for you. Are you, or are you not a knock? I see. I see. Okay, a, a narc. A knock. Ah, yes. 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 No. What do you? What was I saying? Right? He got the 2017 World Series ring, but now he's got a problem with stealing signs. He's for sure a knock. He's freaking knocking. He's freaking knocking these guys out, man. It's crazy. He might get beat up. He might get his legs busted, to be honest with you. I mean, would I bust his legs if I was Houston? I mean, maybe. Right? Maybe if I'm uh, Carlos Correa, I call up a buddy back home and I'm like, hey, we got to knock. Who's going to bust his legs? Could you imagine? If like next week, like Mike Fires gets beat like Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, and all of a sudden it's like and Mike Fires got his legs busted, and you're just like, "Ooh, he got his legs busted, son. That's crazy town, dude. It would be hilarious." Honestly, I think baseball needs that for the excitement. I think someone needs to bust Mike Fires knees because he's a knock. And <laughs> I love to say knock. You know, are you a knock? Are you a cap? Are you a knock? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Nark. Yes, yeah, well I said knock. Can you not hear me? But dude, if he got his legs busted, I think that would be so good for baseball. Like, how do you make baseball fun again? I don't know. Maybe make it a little bit like Jerry Springer. Do what you have to do, dude. I mean, if I see Mike Fires, I'm gonna bust his legs. I'll tell you that right now. All right, all right. Next on the list, your boy Anthony Rendon. Seven years, 45 million with the Los Angeles Angels. This is a big deal. The Angels are gonna be rocking Trout, Trout Boy, Otani boy, Rendon boy, Andrew Elton Simmons, Justin Upton, Albert Pools, if you want to count him, right? But I don't I think he could barely walk. And they've still got to pay him for like a couple more years. It doesn't matter about Albert, man. The five guys I mentioned, Upton's like 32, dude. I think he could probably still hit for power, plus just the extra motivation of having these guys. Like the Angels need starting pitching for sure, but Rendon's been a stud, dude. He was third in MVP voting this past season. I think he should have been first. I think he should have been first because I think the Dodgers would have been in their same situation with, without Bellinger. Uh, same sort of thing with Christian Yelich and the Brewers, who, whatever. And um, But I think Anthony out of Anthony Rendon, Cody Bellinger, and Christian Yelich, I think Anthony Rendon had the biggest impact on his team, which is why I think he should have been MVP. But, hey, I don't get a vote in that decision, and that's okay, man. Um But praise be, Anthony Rendon got his deal, man. The Astros are still going to suck if they can't get pitching, but the thing is, like, they didn't get Garrett Cole, which I'm pretty sure, you know, the New York Yankees weren't letting that one slip away. Like, they were like, we're signing him no matter what, man. That was determination right there. Rocky determination fighting the big Russian, right? So, like, that wasn't going to happen, no doubt about it, dude. Um. Dodgers fans are a little mad, though, because Anthony Rendon, when he was sort of at his press conference for the Los Angeles Angels, he was like, man, I just didn't want the Hollywood lifestyle. And I didn't think playing for the Dodgers would be a good fit for me. Dodgers fans are mad about that. They are real mad about that. This guy for the L.A. Times, um, his name is Arash Markazi. He's a columnist for the Los Angeles Times. He wrote a whole article, a whole article. He dedicated a whole article on how Anthony Rendon doesn't know what he was talking about and that he's obviously not from here if he thinks uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers live a Hollywood lifestyle. Um, I see Mary Hart every game behind home plate, So you tell me if that's Hollywood or not. And but this writer was Matt, dude. Like, clearly butthurt. Wrote, like, this is like a 800-word article <laughs> right here. And there's a huge part of it that is like... Uh, bashes Anthony Rendon so L.A. so butthurt about them not getting a star when they should really just maybe look within their organization and maybe like they just lost out on the star I don't know but this guy for the LA Times is like despite signing a seven-year 245 million dollar contract with the Angels it's safe to say Rendon doesn't have to worry about the paparazzi trailing him even if you walked around LA the 29 year old just won a World Series and was chosen as an all-star for the first time, but he's not someone TMZ has to worry about. Talk about a low blow right there! Woo! You got a whole article dedicated to how you're wrong. <laughs> Listen, man, I love I love Dodgers fans, dude. Right? Like, I'm not I'm not doing this to like talk crap about the Los Angeles Dodgers for sure. I, Twitter's just a funny place, man. And you know, folks are pretty mad on Twitter about it, where they're just here. I I got, I got some pretty decent Twitter comments, and whenever when people are just like, um. Um, great article I think he nailed it he's gonna realize that he's in a small market he basically doesn't have the guts to play for the big team he's like Kawhi Leonard who can't handle the big market so he goes to play for the Clippers it's like whatever man honestly like I think the whole article and analyzing what Anthony Rendon said about not wanting to be like in Hollywood listen man There's a big difference playing for the Dodgers versus playing for the Angels. Some folks are sort of getting, um, you know, defensive about it. But really, it's you know, one of the best tweets I read was like, listen, this isn't even a story. Nobody cares. The real story here is the Dodgers' inability to close on premier free agents this offseason. Maybe free agents have noticed that overly vanilla and dispassionate makeup of the roster, and they just don't want to play for these Los Angeles Dodgers. So what's the scoop here, right? Did... Did the Dodgers lose out on Anthony Rendon, or did Anthony Rendon just like, I just don't want to play in L.A. in a big market. I'm a low-key guy from Texas. I just came from, you know, D.C. Like, I sort of don't want to do that. Well, my read on the situation is, number one, Joe Madden is a great coach, and he's going to attract premier talent. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Ask any Major League Baseball player that's not currently a Los Angeles Dodger, and if they have the option to play for Joe Madden alongside Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani, or Dave Roberts, like, they're probably going to choose Joe Madden, Mike Trout, and Shohei Otani every single time, like, no disrespect for the Dodgers, but, I mean, I don't know if Dodgers fans themselves are really fans of Dave Roberts, and the whole coaching situation over in LA, like, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's been said that Dave Roberts is sort of just like an order taker, and a lot of that stuff comes from up above, but then I'll see... Uh, Dodgers folks on Twitter, like, roast Dave Roberts for his poor decision-making, so I can't really tell one way or the other. Me, personally, I like Dodgers baseball. I like to watch the Dodgers. I would for sure, like, if I was a baseball player, like, I would go play for the Dodgers, man. I don't think, like, it's a weird scene over there. You know, like, for example, the Yankees, they'll get crap from other teams because they boo their players pretty hard. I don't think the Dodgers boo their players at all. I think Dodgers fans love their players, and I don't, here's <laughs> the thing, like, I get what the Dodgers fans are saying, where they're confused, because they're like, so you won't play for the Dodgers, but you'll play for the Angels? Yeah, like, Anaheim's like, what, 30 minutes with no traffic away from LA, I guess? And so he's still going to be in California with big taxes and whatever, but I mean, I mean, playing in a big market like the Dodgers, I don't even think that's even comparable to playing in, for the I don't think playing in the Dodgers market is comparable to playing for, like, the Red Sox or the Yankees. And um, if you're not playing for the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Mets, I think you're probably pretty good to sort of play anywhere. But whatever, man. I mean, he's got a wife and looks for school districts. So so be it, man. So be it. But can I be honest with you right now? For real? If I were a Dodgers fan, and Anthony Rendon said that about my team, I would hate on him just as much, man. Hands down, dude. Isn't that funny how sports work? Right? It's like when you're watching a game and the umpire misses, like, a called third strike, but it's your batter up there. You're like, oh, too bad. Looks like the umpire knows what he's doing. That box isn't always accurate. Don't be butt hurt, opposing team fans. Huh? <laughs> and Then your guy, like, gets a hit and they score a run. You know what I mean? So you're just cool with it. But then... If it's your pitcher on the mound and he gets the missed third strike call, you're like, no, we lost because of the umpire. What an idiot. Because the next pitch, the guy hit a two-run double. What an idiot. I can see the box at home. Can't you tell that's a strike? Which is really funny. And that's just how everything goes with sports, man. So cheers to Dodgers fans because um, I would hate on him as much as I could, dude. Uh, But realistically, though, why wouldn't you go play for the Dodgers? They're so much closer to winning a World Series than the Angels are. I I had like I sort of thought of this thing when uh like Bryce Harper was like signing his contract, and when I I thought last season I remember going, if I'm Bryce Harper, I'm gonna take a high average annual value in shorter years to go play for the Dodgers because the rumor last year. Was that the Dodgers didn't want to sign him for like ten or thirteen years? They would sign him for like five, but they would pay him like forty million a year, right? That was the rumor, and I threw out my armchair expertise and was like, "Oh, if I was Bryce Harper, I would go to L.A. Dodgers on a shorter term deal because they're so close to winning a World Series. Because I would want to win a World Series. Because I would say that. I mean, it's great to have three hundred thirty million dollars, but look what Madison Bumgarner just did, bro. He signed for eighty five. Like that's enough." right, the world's going to be over in 100 years, like, Bryce Harper, there's not a, the earth won't stand here for him to spend, him and his family to spend all that $330 million, plus his endorsement money, and all that other stuff, dude, so, I mean, dude, who doesn't want to go to the Angels and play with Joe Madden, dude, everywhere Joe Madden goes, success happens, so, in one hand, you look at Rendon, and you're like, I'm going to go for the up-and-comers, man, I would imagine this is a little bit of a if you're an Angels fan or just like Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, the Anthony Rendon signing has to be a little bit of a predictor of like how serious the Angels are because I would imagine when Rendon spoke with like Billy Epler and the folks in the Angels front office that they he must know their level of commitment to win and succeed because Anthony Rendon just came from a competitive team that just won a World Series and I imagine he doesn't want to finish third and fourth every year in the AOS, right? So I'm super excited, though, about what can happen over there in L.A. if they get some pitching. And, you know, to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, you know, playing some meaningful games, I think I would love it, man. Because, I mean, Mike Trout's been to the playoffs once against the Kansas City Royals in 2014. I think the Angels lost every single game. And, like, we've never, ever seen... Mike Trout with, like, a meaningful playoff at bat, right? Because, like, it just doesn't happen. But it'll be cool if it happens. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's that's what's up with the Rendon scoop. Um, Rendon's last year numbers 34 jacks, 126 ribbies, which led the whole league, 10-10 OPS, like 6.6 war, dude. Guy just turned 29 in June, so he'll turn 30 next summer. Man, good sign. How, how do I think he'll look long-term? Right, you always want to ask yourself the question every season, especially off seasons where guys get long contracts. You wanna think about guys like Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols, and you're like, Why do teams continue to sign thirty year old players to like seven, eight, nine Garrett Cole, nine year deal? Like a lot of folks, even some Yankees fans are like, That's too much money, you idiot. Like, why did you do that? Um, So I look at Rendon and I'm sort of just like, is this going to be a good decision? Like, Rendon's baseball reference, like, he's batted over 300 the past three seasons, but before that was probably like a 270 hitter. And so you look at it and you're like, then you look at his wins above replacement, and he was a six and a half win player in 2014, missed some time in 2015, six win in 2017, over a six win in 2019. Like, he's a good player. He's got a good glove, he's got a good bat. I the only thing I can say about Rendon is I'm like if you look at him physically, you think physically like he's a naturally thinner guy. You could have looked at Albert Pujols and how heavy he was, like Albert Pujols was a fun. Albert Pujols is the best right hitter. If if you're alive right now, or especially like under the age of like I'm 36, right. Albert Pujols is by far the best right-handed hitter I've ever laid eyes on and that most people have laid eyes on. In his prime, he's probably the best. He could be the best right-handed hitter that ever lived, Albert Pujols, right? But you could always tell, like, Albert Pujols was always sort of like a buttery, soft guy where you could look at his body type and say, I'm not sort of worry about that guy when he gets older, you know, sort of just like Miguel Cabrera. But Anthony Rendon sort of doesn't have that build, and I feel like if he can stay thin, You know, your joints and ligaments are going to treat you pretty good. So I think if we see a decline with Anthony Rendon, just by watching him play, I think if there's any sort of decline with him, it might not happen for another three seasons. So at that point, like, you for sure get your money's worth, I guess. And Garrett Cole's an interesting one, man, because, like, like when Chris Sale, you know, signed his extension with the Red Sox and, you know, was traded to the Red Sox, you looked at Chris Sale and you're like this guy's phenomenal and he's never hurt and then all of a sudden like he gets hurt man and that's what's weird with pitchers is it's sort of like they're phenomenal and they never get hurt until they get hurt and I would have never thought like yo Chris Sale's a lock sign him for however much money you got to pay him and now Red Sox fans are sort of just like we're stuck with Sale now Right. It's crazy that the Red Sox won in 2018. This is phenomenal, like, 105-win team. And now it's sort of just like they fired their GM. Everyone sucks and let's trade Mookie Betts, man. That in itself is even a weird thing. Like, you got teams right now, big market teams, like the, the Red Sox want to trade Betts. The Cubs want to trade Chris Bryant. Like, this is weird. Like, these are teams that have money and they want to trade their best players. It's like, It's like the equivalent of opening up a pack of Pop-Tarts, but there's three Pop-Tarts in there, and you just want to give one away. Like, who does that? It's like having an extra Vienna sausage in the can, dude. It's like finding a $100 bill on the ground and being like, I'm going to turn it in. You idiot. Keep the money, man, and go buy baseball cards, you nincompoop. Like, come on, man, you ninny. So, whatever. So, there's that. Um... Uh, same with Strasburg, man. But the thing about Strasburg is, like, he's been hurt. Like, if you look at the three biggest free agent signings this year, like Rendon, Strasburg, and Cole, like, did the Nationals sign the the, the one dangerous one? Because can Strasburg stay healthy, like, with his arm action? You know how that sort of thing looks, where he throws it, like, Mark Pryor with the little inverted W, and it's, like, his elbow's up in there, and it's weird. But honestly, like, you look over the years, and, like, Max, like, there are so many contracts that I feel like the Nationals signed, and it's like, you shouldn't have done that. When they signed Patrick Corbin last year, me, like a big dumbo idiot, head of the Dumbo Circus, population one in Idiotville, I go, I wouldn't have signed Patrick Corbin. (laughs) The Nationals don't win the World Series, they don't sign Patrick Corbin. So, whatever the Nationals are doing, they're able to sign guys where you sort of shake your head and you're like, oh, that's a dumb deal. But they just make them work, man. And, you know, when you talk about really good organizations that I think nurture their players and create something good out of them, I've always talked about the Houston Astros, which we sort of know they were cheating now. So, you know, they're sort of like uh, Marty McFly's dad when he falls out of the tree and back to the future. <laughs> like, that's A.J. Hinch. Like, oh, I think I could see it. Let's hit the trash can. Breaking ball. Fastball. Whoa. Um, but I feel like you could sort of put the Washington Nationals in that mix of just being like a good organization that creates from within, when they sign free agents, they bring the free agents in and do really well with those free agents, like they've done with Scherzer and Corbin. They've you know had Strasburg his whole career, and to get Strasburg and Bryce Harper two number one draft picks and make them both work like that's crazy. Like how many number one draft picks get picked and just suck butt? Quite a few of them, probably more than don't, right? Like, if you're a 1-1, you're probably going to suck. But, like, you got your Griffey Juniors out there and those sorts of things. They treat you pretty good. But, like, the Nationals drafted two 1-1s and they both did really freaking good, dude. I think – hold on. Let, let me double-check this. Bryce Harper was for sure a, a first overall draft pick. Let me look this up real quick. Okay, yeah, so Bryce Harper was a 1-1 and 2010, okay, so 2010, remember that, Strasburg was a 1-1 in 2009, back-to-back seasons, dude. What the heck? You don't get any luckier than that. Like, someone at Washington's going to get struck by lightning at some point. Like, you got to pay the piper, dude. This is final destination. Like, you're going to get lit up driving down the interstate, and electricity is going to hit your car. It's good stuff, man. Um, I don't know if I got anything else to talk about tonight. Um, I think I'm good, man. I think I'm gonna end the show here, dude. Let's um shoot. Um, let me tell you my social media, man. Um Twitter, greatest on dirt, Facebook, greatest on dirt, Instagram's greatest show on dirt. Holl at us, man. Come see us, come like some of our pictures, dude. Oh, I wanna say one more thing though. Um the Dave Parker documentary. You if you follow me on social media and you listen to me on the podcast, you know I'm a huge fan of Dave Parker and the Dave Parker documentary, The Cobra at Twilight, was on last Thursday. Well, I had it on my DVR, so once I got done watching the uh, 10 episodes of Ancient Aliens that I had to watch, really worried about what's going on out there in the extraterrestrial, but we'll get there in another episode. Um, I finally got to The Twilight at Cobra, and it's an excellent documentary, man. I always knew that Dave Parker was an impactful player, so I talk about a lot of what Dave Parker did on the podcast right before this, so give it a listen if you don't know much about Dave Parker, or just go to your Wikipedia page. And There's also a really good article on Dave Parker on The Undefeated, which really goes into um, Dave Parker's situation with being um, this brash, cocky, Muhammad Ali-esque type player in Major League Baseball, also being an African American in Pittsburgh which is definitely very blue-collar. He was also the first Major League Baseball player to make a million-dollar salary each season. Um, But I always knew that Dave Parker's value as a human being in a clubhouse far exceeded his war number, right? If you go to his baseball reference page and you just look at the numbers and you're like, okay, whatever. Like, he had peak seasons, but he sort of flaked off, right? Guy has like a 42 war, I think, or something like that. So just looking at it from 30,000 feet above, it's like, whatever, dude. Okay, he's not gonna get in the Hall of Fame. Um, but you, if you, it doesn't take long to do any sort of research on Dave Parker to know that the teams he was on performed much better with him on that team than you'll see on any number or spreadsheet, just because of the positivity that he brought in the dugout, the positivity, the confidence, the nurturing, the mentorship was huge. And in watching Twilight at Cobra last night, you should totally watch it. I say Twilight at Cobra. I meant to Cobra at twilight. It really goes into his impact and the impact he had on other players like Gary Sheffield because I didn't realize that Dave Parker and Gary Sheffield were teammates for one year in Milwaukee or when Dave Parker was in Cincinnati, he was a big influence on Eric Davis and Barry Larkin who one is a Hall of Famer and one would have been a Hall of Famer if he didn't get hurt who... If you haven't heard this before, just know that Eric Davis played the game of baseball so hard, he literally lacerated his kidney in three spots while diving for a ball. (laughs) Bro, tell me that's not power. That in itself reminds me of Bo Jackson, because when Bo Jackson messed up his hip in that playoff game, Raiders-Bengals, Dr. James Andrews said... Um, it was just a seemingly harmless tackle, but because Bo Jackson was so powerful when he got tackled from behind and got stopped in his tracks, the amount of power that Bo Jackson generated, that's what messed up his hip because he was so powerful. And that's sort of what it was like to be Eric Davis when he lacerated his kidney in three spots. He did that because he was just so damn explosive, phenomenal athlete, but also when he, um, he was an Oakland Athletic when the Oakland A's went to back-to-back World Series. They went in 88 lost to the Dodgers, but they went 89 and beat the Giants. And Dave Parker was a huge influence in that clubhouse to young guys like Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. Big deal and sort of just like that in Pittsburgh when Roberto Clemente, God rest his soul, passed away delivering emergency supplies to Puerto Rico, I believe where he was from, I apologize, I don't know off the top of my head, and I feel like I want to get this right, so hold on, this is important, Roberto Clemente saving lives, right, that's how he passed away, was on an airplane to deliver rescue supplies to his native Puerto Rico, he's from San Juan, and his body was never found, man, that's awful, but Dave Parker was his replacement, and, you know, to step up and do that, one thing is huge, but Um, There's no doubt Dave Parker was a huge influence in that clubhouse that won a World Series in 79. So Dave Parker was a part of two World Series winning teams, but even Barry Larkin in his Hall of Fame speech had to go out of his way and was like, I have to thank Dave Parker, man. Pops helped me a lot in my career. That's what he would call him was Pops, which is also Willie Stargell's nickname. Um, But watch the Coburg Twilight if you haven't. It's phenomenal. Just look for the repeats on MLB Network. You'll find it set your DVR. Until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you at the next recording. All right, take care, dudes. Later, Gators.